Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza, welcoming in the walking legacy himself, Chris Anderson. Chris, we're going to talk about recruiting today, and as I have indicated here, legacy. You said something, you said many things that have piqued my curiosity, but something in particular um, during one of our recent conversations on the podcast about recruiting and where and with whom West Virginia does not mess around. You really got to be careful because you don't want to ruin a dynamic that should be in your favor. And we're talking about legacy players. And those are the sons by and large. Maybe it's a nephew or grandson. I don't know. But there's a lineage from the Mountaineers of the past to a potential Mountaineer of the future. So a family connection. And we've seen a couple, and you can go over all these, that have decided to join the 2023 class. But I thought it was interesting that you think it would be so easy for a school to say, hey, legacy, come here. But also it's not that easy, and it's a delicate thing that the schools are, not the schools, but this school that we happen to cover is particular about. So we're going to talk about legacy recruiting today, what's going on, Who's here? Who may be coming here? That's kind of a fun thing to think about. But I want to start with that initial topic about why it's handled with such care here. Well, that's it's interesting because, yeah, I think my comment was something about legacy recruits and in-state recruits. Um, So let's start there, because when you look at these numbers and you'll see certain outlets publish these numbers sometimes and just make a big list of uh, the offers extended by school and you'll see something Next to West Virginia's name, they'll say they've offered 300 kids in a class. Um, First off, that's not true. Uh, A lot of those are, I don't want to say, well, first off, some of those offers go out early. Some of those offers come from other coaches. Some of those offers come from other coaching staffs entirely. So as we've gone over a million times, anybody that's followed the recruiting game, there's offers and then there's committable offers, committable offers being ones that are legitimate from the coaching staff. And then there are the ones that actually get the scholarship offer, the official letter, the paperwork that you sign that makes everything official. Um, so there can be 300 verbal offers and some of those, again, not real. Uh, sometimes it's just recruits getting confused on what's said. You know, a coach says, hey, yeah, we really want you to come here. And then the, the guy says, uh, well, that's an offer. It's like, well. I mean, we want you, but doesn't mean it's an offer. Um, so you get down to about 100, and then, but there, there's never any confusion. There are rarely ever any confusion when it comes to legacies and in-state kids, because this staff, as the previous staff did as well, uh, credit where it's due, of course. They, everybody that's come through here, they they be, are very, very clear legacy recruits and in-state players whether they have an offer or not they will wait longer than usual 
a lot of times before they make the offer legit because they don't want there to be any doubt at all. They don't want any bad feelings, none of that stuff, because that those are relationships you don't want to burn. Those are bridges you don't want to burn. So you will see if you see an offer go to a legacy recruit, 99 times out of 100, it is a legitimate offer. Um, you know, got to make sure of things beforehand because there was one last year that wasn't, but it, it, it's they don't mess around with those kind of legacy recruits. I understand completely. I'm not sure everybody would practice the same consistency that West Virginia has, as you mentioned, across 10 years here now, too. So it's common here. How common is that across conferences and across the country, Chris? You know more about this than I do, but is this a is this a unicorn or is this something that's maybe a little more common than I'm giving credit? I think the legacy thing is is legitimate everywhere. I don't I don't think any school wants to quite frankly piss off, you know, former players, former greats, guys who could be potential donors. You don't want to do that. As far as the in-state aspect of it, that's probably more unique to West Virginia and other schools that are in states with less talent than sure. the bigger schools. Like, I mean, what's Miami going to care if they, you know, make some kid mad up at, uh, you know, Tampa Catholic or something like that? Like, they don't care. They'll move on. They'll get another guy. So I think maybe when you get to that, maybe it's more city specific for those bigger, bigger states like Florida, Texas, California. You know, Miami doesn't want to make Miami high schools mad. They don't care about Tampa or they don't care about schools up in northern Florida or something like that. But um, so to answer your question, yes and no. Perfect. <laughs> and imperfect. Yes. And no. West Virginia reels in a couple here. How hard do you think it is for a kid to be recruited by and ultimately commit to the school where his father, his uncle, his grandfather played? How hard do you think it is for a kid to pull the trigger and become a legacy commitment? I think there's some pressure in there. Uh, I wonder how much they think about it during the recruitment portion of things. I think maybe it builds after they get on campus because then it's like, all right, you're here and here are your expectations. Your father was amazing. Your uncle was amazing. Your grandfather was amazing, whatever. Now it's your turn and, and it, we've got to get there quick. So I think it builds after they get on campus. The actual initial recruitment and commitment, I don't think is actually that difficult. I think they get excited about it. I think a lot of these kids, you know, you talk about, oh, who'd you grow up rooting for? What's the school you want to go to? These kids grew up going to that school, going to West Virginia for games, going and visiting, uh, hearing about how their their dad did this and their uncle did that and everything else. So they grew up a fan of West Virginia and to have the opportunity to go to the school that they've grown, grown up admiring, I think it's probably pretty easy. It's when they get to campus and now it's like, okay, time to produce that it gets a lot more difficult and they get more put on their shoulders than your typical recruit in the class. How about the decision-making process? Great points there about once they make the decision, they go. But let's be honest, people can be mean, people can be crazy. Fan is short for fanatic. If, for example, a Torrey Johnson Jr. announces that he has an offer from West Virginia, he's going to get an outpouring of support from West Virginia fans who know his dad liked what he did. But... There's going to be people who, I don't know, let's say they root for Pitt, Maryland, or UVA of late, um, and they're going to say, well, you only got that offer because your dad went there. And it may be not like that with everybody, but there are going to be people who say, well, he got that offer because his dad was really good there. His dad played there. His dad went from there to the NFL. 
can that work against kids sometimes? Do you sense that that dynamic is, I don't know, is it, can it be used against a kid? And, and can a kid sometimes get to thinking about things that other people might say? Because let's be honest, social media is terrible and and influential in ways that are probably not intended. And, and I, I just think about this sometimes that it puts doubt and questions in a kid's mind where all they're trying to do is say, hey, something cool happened to me at a place that means a lot. I don't think there's any doubt that that people say those awful things and and probably mostly on social media since everybody has the you know safety net of being anonymous usually they'll say mean terrible stuff like that but I also think this goes back to the reason that West Virginia is so careful with legacy recruits and they want to make sure that these are legitimate committable offers and and that's why because at any time for any recruit you know and there will be some trainers some coaches who will tell them this Oh, you have an offer from there? Okay, call up the coach right now and try to commit. See what happens. And, and the kid, what? Do it. Call them up. Say you want to commit right now and see what they say. And that will tell you if you have an offer or not. And I think in these situations with these legacy recruits, West Virginia, again, wants to make it clear because they are going to hear that. They are going to hear, oh, you just got that offer because your dad went there. And then it's like, okay, call up the school and see what happens. And West Virginia say, like, yeah, great. We'll let you into class. Can I pop up a let's go tweet got any uh gif recommendations for me great let's do it um and that's again that's why they're so specific about it with them can you imagine what people would say on social media about someone who used the word gif <laughs> excuse me gif is that yes. what i'm supposed to use there you go. no you say gif but you would you wouldn't make a mistake like that right yeah uh-huh is there a science to recruiting these kids because i wonder sometimes when um i don't know let's just say a noah bram he gets the phone call and and hey, it's it's Neil Brown. I'd like you to to come in here. I don't know. I wonder if it's enough. And I wonder if if a kid has to say, I know why you're calling me. My dad was an All American there. My dad played in the NFL and, and announced that he was from West Virginia before games. So this could be anybody, not just Rick and Noah Bram. But do you have to do more? Is the work sometimes already done, and you're kind of you're just icing the cake, or is it like everything else, and it's it's completely case specific and and one is never like the other i think it's somewhat case specific but there's also i i would think with a lot of these guys they are again like every recruit every every kid that's trying to play at the highest level they think they are the best they are the best they have been for most of their life the best player on the field and so i think part of how you recruit these legacy guys is to just recruit them like the recruits you know you don't don't treat them differently um in a lot of ways it, you want to recruit them just like you would recruit everybody else. Be like, hey, we are recruiting you. We are not recruiting your father's legacy or your uncle's legacy. We are recruiting you and your playing ability and, and and what we think you can contribute to this program. So I think it's important to make that distinction to the players. I mean, of course, it brings a little extra. You can you have a couple of extra things you can do. I think it did mean something that Neil Brown himself offered Noah Bram right in front of his father, right there on campus. I think that meant something. I think it meant something to Torrey Johnson Jr. that he got to commit to Neil Brown right in front of his father and his mother right there in the office and have both of them, you know, understandably get very excited in the office with Neil Brown. But for the most part, you just want to treat them like other recruits. You want to treat them like we are recruiting you and not your father's legacy. It's a strong move on the, the commitment thing with uh, that you mentioned about Bram and, and Johnson, isn't it? it? It really is. I think, again, those are the tweaks. Those are the tweaks you make for legacy recruits 
but everything else stay the same. But yeah, it's it's pretty strong. I mean, Neil Brown walking up to you on campus in the middle of a seven on seven, right next to your father, and being like, "Hey, here's an offer. You're in if you want it." Uh, that's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's small world stuff that there are three in the same class. It's very small world that they committed the same weekend. Anything to that, or is that just a coincidence? Like, did they did they coordinate this so much that three guys could do something really cool or did this just happen to be where the chips fell on this one i think it kind of mostly coincidence because i think once you get to the final weekend they're setting it up to be a big weekend they want to finish you know go out of the dead period or go into the dead period strong and so they set this weekend up as a big commitment style weekend and you know they planned in advance to have johnson and mcintyre here and and then the bram thing you know that was kind of that all natural like this week it just happened during camp i mean i'm sure he was on the radar like i don't have any doubt that he was on the radar before this week but the, his camp showing not only on monday at the one day camp where he tested amazing but then a solid showing at seven on seven where he showed his ability to get open as a tight end but also play linebacker i think that played a part as well let's wrap it up here with a bit of looking ahead we're spending this time looking back and looking ahead well i guess we'll kind of do that a little bit but instead of talking about you know players whose dads played here let's talk about dads who played here who may have kids we don't even know the identities of all these people yet but you think about for a lot of i would say uh prime generation fans when it comes to west virginia athletics people who are are in the cycle and have been for a while and presumably will be um or people who are new to the cycle because they were hooked on something at some time you're thinking of a certain era of football and it's it's probably like 2004 through what do you say like 2008 yeah i was gonna say i'm looking at i'm looking at these guys here that we're just talking about it's like a solid five-year period there right right and yeah uh, because again the guys we're talking about just committed this class is around 2000 in that range so then you go a few years later than that for the upcoming classes and i see where you're going here you're you're talking 14, 17 years ago now. Um, I'm not saying every one of these players that was a star or had great talent on those teams has a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kid right now, but you get where I'm going. Many of them have had kids, and they have great genes, I'm sure. They're in the pipeline here. We talk about the South Florida pipeline, the Georgia pipeline, you know, Southern Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, wherever West Virginia gets or has gotten talent before and may want to in the future, man, there's nothing like from the alumni base, right? Um, how cool could this be in the future? Because Bram's a bit older than the elder McIntyre and the elder Johnson, not an old guy, just that he just happened to play before them. Um, Johnson and McIntyre are kind of of this era that we're talking about now where they're adults. They're old enough to have families and to have children who are going through the recruiting process. There's going to be more of these. There already are. And they are marquee, marquee names from that era here. I'm just, I'm just kind of glowing thinking about it. Um, I do feel a little bit aged knowing that I covered these new recruits dads. Um, but I probably should get used to that because there are more coming here. And I mean, I'm not saying they're all going to come to West Virginia. There's gonna be battles here, but there's certainly some talent in that pool. Yeah, I mean, I I've sent in a, a a an entire crate of 23andMe tests up to the the football facility for them to uh, you know pass out to everybody else, so I can figure out exactly who's coming up 
in the next few years, but he already got two kids of two of the greatest players in, you know, at least offensive players in West Virginia history that are immediately come to mind. Um, first up in the, in the 2024 class, Noel Devine's kid, Andre Devine. He's at North Fort Myers, uh, puts up big numbers, very athletic, great testing numbers. Just like his father, a bit small, 5'8", 155 in our database right now. I think that's that's accurate. I believe that's from a recent camp like this spring. Um, he's already gotten three offers, FAU, Alabama A&M, and Marshall. So moving in the right direction. If you're getting those kind of offers as a 2024, that which means based off of right now, you're finishing your sophomore year in high school and you're getting those offers, you're training in the right direction. I wonder how high his ceiling is given his size. I mean, again, his his dad was that small, but his dad was what one of the greatest high school running backs ever. So you have to really put it up there to get there. But he's he's on the right trajectory. And then of course there's a guy that we've talked about, and I saw a camp earlier this summer who could literally be a clone of his father, and that's Chris Henry Jr. Just makes I mean, you laugh. Just makes it, you laugh watching it. <laughs> yeah, like he he looks like him standing still. He looks like him playing the game. Um, he, it's absurd to think of him as being a 2026 recruit, a 2026 recruit. I mean, he is finishing middle school right now. He's finishing eighth grade, just finished eighth grade, going into ninth grade. Um, did I get that right? Yeah. Ninth grade, 2026, 2025 sophomore, 2024 junior, 2023 is going to be a senior. So he just finished middle school. He came up to camp and when they split at the end for one-on-ones, they typically send, Hey, uh, you know, soft freshmen and sophomores, you guys go over here, juniors and seniors, you go over here. They immediately, he started out with the freshmen and sophomores. And one of the coaches was like, are you kidding me? Is this a joke? Get out of here. Brought him over to the juniors and seniors. And then he just sat there and embarrassed juniors and seniors. I can't, it's hard for me to wrap my head around an eighth grader, a guy who just finished eighth grade, just absolutely dominating rising juniors and seniors during one-on-ones. But that is exactly what he did. And that is exactly why he's already got offers from Ohio State, Miami, anybody you can think of, he's going to have offers from. So, again, that's not going to be some surefire legacy coming back to WVU kind of thing. He is going to be a top 50 overall recruit. Like, I'm talking on the verge of five-star status. Maybe even, like, I mean, we're far out. So, I'm really projecting here. But as the the route he's going, the path he's taking – that's where we're likely going to be discussing him in a couple of years. And he's been adopted by Adam Jones too, correct? That is correct. Who was and accompanying him on the visits. I mean, he's everywhere, but it was cool seeing him walking around WV football camp. Uh, oddly enough, giving all the other coaches a hard time for, you know, Hey, your salary. So you get, I get a nice boat and a mansion on cheat Lake. And all I'm thinking is, didn't you make like a hundred million dollars in the NFL? What are you joking on them for? Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it there too. <laughs> Pac-Man's always been his own man, so good uh-huh. in there too. Listen, a lot to look forward to here. We've talked about how cool um, the the work that the coaches were putting in would be this month, and we've seen it come to fruition. Well, years down the road now too, you 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 see these. You see these long-term relationships between an older player and his university turn into something, and it could be a kid who commits. We've seen it this past week with a couple more, and we'll keep our eyes down the road in the future on legacy commitments. Until then, 
And that's many, many years from now. I probably should think of a better way to wrap it up. How about this? Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.